you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee, 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 good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike of the world famous Down East Mike Podcast. We are at episode number 104 news and commentary for Tuesday, October 3rd, yeah, October 3rd, 2023. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I like it when we do the uh, closed caption thing for the podcast, and instead of Down East Mike, it says Down East Mike. I think that's an interesting name, Down East Mike. It's like you're being smacked with a feather, Down East Mike. Uh, our motto here is some of this is whimsy, some of it's true. The interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. I I do hope you're having a good day, off to a good start. Uh, the weather here in Maine, after all that we've had, the, the rain, rain, rain all summer long, and here in October, it's nice and sunny and dry, and the weather's just beautiful out there. Not much foliage because the leaves are all brown. I think it was so damp through the spring and summer that the the colors are just not going to pop. So uh, here's a little hint to all you tourists out there that are coming to Maine to clog up. I mean, to uh, visit and see the foliage. You should go to Michigan or someplace like that because I, I hear the foliage is really spectacular there. That's just a little selfishness because Downey Smite wants the coastline to himself so he can just ponder along the road at 28 miles per hour. And those of you that have been behind me know that I hold true to my word that I do drive at a very cautious rate of speed in my electric car. Uh, we won't go there. All right, just to get us warmed up, did you know the Down East Mike podcast contains no mean words, absolutely zero mean words, just wholesome goodness from Down East Maine, a historical, literary, auditory candy store, and we note, did you hear the bells on the door as you came in? In today's episode, we have Wyeth says, no more painting at the Olson House, 1971, you remember that house with the... The poor girl on the in the grass looking up at the house on the hill uh, needed one bored older woman from story from 1971. That's not what you think. Uh, Liberty, Maine gets telephone poles in 1886, and that was probably the last time that town saw any sort of uh, infrastructure. Uh, well, we're really mean today, actually. We do have some mean words. Maine's honorary bi-weekly bird. It is an imported bird that we're going to be looking at there. Emilia is going to say that, but... Uh, okay, let's go on to... Uh, oh, the illness of the instant. This was handed to us uh, in passing yesterday. We'll talk about it briefly it's a, a relatively small segment of the population that would be inflicted with this. Bird watchers bunion. Bird watchers bunions, the illness of the instant. Uh, primarily, it, that is a fall thing. If you're climbing uh, one of the shorter mountains to go watch the hawk migration, you could experience bird watchers bunion if you're wearing Birkenstocks 
or other open-toed shoes, you may see that bunion, uh, or you may experience a bunion of some sort. Birdwatcher's bunion, best treated with a mole skin, and you put a little bit of mole skin and some uh, liniment uh, ointment around that thing, and you'll cure up your bunion in no time. That's the illness of the instant. Birthdays today, Conrad in Wallagrass, Maine. He turns 48. He worked as a machine operator for the Bangor and Aroostook Railroad for 17 years. I just heard a thing. Would you please, everyone in the audience, please turn off your cell phones uh, for the duration of the podcast? Thank you. I don't hope I don't have to ask again. Um, Am I talking to myself? Uh, also birthdays today, we have Elmer in Milo. Elmer turned 78. Uh, he, uh, he worked also at the, at the railroad for a number of years. I, I, I didn't know Elmer that well, but I, I know that he was referred to as a, as a great pillar of the community. He was ever present at the church suppers and like and uh just an all in all great great guy i'm talking like in the past tense uh okay let's go on to what well, we do we do fib a lot here don't we uh let's look at uh, 1971 bangor maine uh this is about uh, andrew wyeth and we've got that uh, anna christina olson uh, picture in the painting of she's looking up at the house on the hill. Uh, and of course, Andrew Wyeth called that painting Christina's World. And the weathered, clabbered house where Christina Olson lived is part of me and all I've done, says Andrew Wyeth. But I'll never paint there again because the spirit is gone. The three-story, 14-room dwelling sits on the crest of a bare hill overlooking a remote saltwater cove some 70 miles northeast of Portland. And that's about where you want to be these days. It is now a museum for the largest permanent exhibition of Wyeth paintings. Although restored, the house remains, as Wyeth often painted it, bleak and lonely. Once it was the home of Anna Christina Olson, a neighbor and close friend of Wyeth and his friend Betsy, the 171-year-old house and its 24 acres of grounds were bought by movie producer Joseph Levine, an avid Wyeth collector. And in 1968, after Christina Cripple with polio died at the age of 74, Levine had the house restored. Wyeth is 54 at the time. He, he lives in Chadsforth. Uh, charged Ford, Pennsylvania, but he has a summer cottage near the farm. He says, I'm delighted Levine has preserved the house, but it's all difficult for me. The Olsons meant a great deal to me, and they're gone. And now I see the paintings and the plaques there, and a person would have to feel uncomfortable unless he has no modesty at all. Isn't that interesting that he had that place and all the memories are gone now. That was in 1971. We also saw the Freiburg Fair was going on October 3rd through October 9th. Maine's Blue Ribbon Classic. And of course that started uh, right now. That's still going on, which is kind of nice. They had a Sunday horse show. They had harness racing, paramute 
There's a lot of betting here. Paramutual betting, Midway, Beano, $200 jackpot drawn. Boy, if that doesn't get him out, nothing will. The Saco Valley Woodsman's Field Day. Gigantic livestock in hall exhibits, calf and pig scrambles, horse, pony, and ox pulling. You know, when you hear the word ox pulling, do you think that that's like somebody tugging on an ox's ear? Let's have this story here. We've got a picture of Mrs. Bartlett, Michelle, and Mrs. Olson. But now, now this is not part of the wire thing. You'll see in a second. And there's also a kitty. And Mrs. Bartlett's standing in the doorway. She's got a handbag. She's holding Michelle's hand. They're looking down at Mrs. Olson, who's going to work. And now let's get into that story. Have boredom, will babysit. And this is out of Rockland, Maine, 1971. This is a story about a little girl, her mother, her babysitter, and a can of sardines. The story begins in an apartment in the Bronx, New York. Mrs. Viola Olson was studying the label on a can of sardines, and it said, Packed in Rockland, Maine. My son and I wanted to leave New York, and Rockland sounded like a pretty town, Mrs. Olson said. In 1968, she and her son Edward came to Maine. You might say we followed the sardines, she laughed. Edward found a job, and Mrs. Olson occupied her leisure hours by reading library books and exploring her new hometown. Meanwhile, Mrs. Patricia Bartlett, a young divorced lady with a beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, was having babysitter problems. Pat lives, uh, Pat works in Rockland as a bookkeeper. She had employed a high school girl to care for Michelle during the summer, but with a fall term approach, and she needed an older woman to care for the child. I placed an ad in a local paper saying, wanted, mature, capable person to care for one child in my home. Several girls still in school responded to the ad, and September was nearly here, so in desperation, Pat placed another ad, and this one read, Needed one bored, older woman to care for one small, friendly child, preferably in my home. About this time, Mrs. Olson, who's 60, was getting, uh, getting tired of reading library books, and she called Pat, discovered she lived only a short distance from her, and applied for the babysitting job. Happy to find an older woman who'd come to her apartment to care for Michelle, Pat hired Mrs. Olson, and now Viola Olson finds her days filled with the joy a two-year-old girl can bring. I feel younger since I started taking care of Michelle, Mrs. Olson commented. We take walks. I read to her. Some days we go for a ride. And uh, Michelle likes to play with my dog, Mrs. Olson noted, coaxing the child to tell the lady the name of my dogs. She is teaching Michelle to make some letters and numbers and spends time reading stories to her. She has even crocheted some doll clothes from Michelle. I recommend this type of job to other older women, Mrs. Olson noted. Now, Pat believes that she's found happy solution to a babysitting problem, but wishes there was a central clearinghouse in the area where working moms could register for a babysitter and board 
older women could sign up for a job which would bring them much happiness. I would like to see in some way to get the mothers and potential babysitters together, Pat commented. She notes that she's not aware of any public daycare center in the area, this is 1971 in Rockland, and she believes there's a definite need for one in addition to the babysitting clearinghouse. And that's a story out of the Bangor Daily News, 1971, written by Frank Norwood's mother, Caroline Norwood at the time. Okay, we also had the sport, uh, no, not sports, we're not going to do sports, don't get all excited down East Mike. The police beat, crime story, an old town girl who reportedly shot herself in the arm kept both Bangor and Brewer police busy for a number of hours early Sunday. The girl first entered the Brewer police department and exhibited her profusely bleeding arm, Before the officers could help her, she left the station and drove across the bridge to Bangor. At the Bangor Police Department, she admitted shooting herself and the pistol was found in her car. She was treated at a local hospital and released. Now, there's a little bit more to this story. The girl told Bangor Police that she had taken speed. The same girl shot herself in the arm in Old Town last year, according to Old Town Police. So she shoots herself every year at this time. Also a shot was fired in 1971. An Essex Street woman called Mangor Police Sunday afternoon and stated that a carload of youths had driven across her backyard. When she yelled at them, one youth fired a shot in the air, she stated. The same thing happened the day before she told police, isn't that something, all those shooting going on? Let's roll it back to 1886. Liberty people mean to have a telegraph line to Belfast, according to the journal. And $400 and 110 polls later, they've been subscribed, or 110 polls have been subscribed already. Isn't that interesting? They're getting the telegraph. Uh, out of Fairfield, the Fairfield Journal claims that reports of typhoid fever in that town have been exaggerated. Nope, no fever here. Uh, The Farmington Chronicle reporting that sometime the past summer, Mr. Jesse Ross of Rangeley lost some sheep, 20 or more. Landlords Wharf and Pierce of the Oquasic House uh, were over that way accompanied by their dogs, and Mr. Ross thinks their dogs killed them. Also, a large bear was seen there at about the same time. Mr. Ross has brought action against Wharf and Pierre for, Pierre for damages, and the case will come before the grand jury at this term of court in Farmington. On this day in 1895, Bass' new shoe factory started up Tuesday morning to manufacture Mrs. and children's shoes. It will employ 150 people. That's just wonderful. The police of Bath are looking for Flora Jones, a native of Nova Scotia, who arrived there Monday of last week, engaged work with Mrs. W. W. Pendexter, and mysteriously disappeared last Saturday. I think the most important part of that story is the name W.W. Pendexter. If that name didn't open doors for you, no, no name ever would. 
You just a phone call, simple phone call. Hello, this is Mrs. W. W. Pendexter. I need to speak to the manager now. Do you think they'd put you on hold? I suspect not. Never wash their faces. This is a long-winded story. Maybe we'll, we'll kind of abbreviate it, although I can be long-winded. Uh, it's from uh, Admiral Perry, the Arctic explorer. He's speaking about his life in the Arctic regions during his two years near the North Pole up there with uh, Yukon Cornelius. I cannot say that we enjoyed many of the ordinary adventures of a fashionable life. We did manage, however, to make the best of our limited opportunities. Of course, we found the sameness of the long, dark winter night rather trying at times and experienced a spell of homesickness now and then, but we had too much to do in getting in readiness for our summer's work, the great object of our sojourn to feel time hang heavily. We had before winter proper closed in to get our stock of reindeer and walrus ready. You always want to have your stock of reindeer and walrus ready before winter. They had their clothing made and so forth. And then we had our journals to write up and plenty of books to read. Then we would have a game of cards when we felt so inclined and so on. We had a continual source of entertainment in the visits of the natives, and here's where it gets a little bit off kilter, studying them in their ways. A tribe of 250 Eskimo lived about 20 miles away, and the way they spelled Eskimo is really cute. It's E-S-Q-U-I-M-A-U-X. We got their help a good deal in securing meat and doing many other things too numerous to mention. We had to learn their language and managed to fashion a kind of pigeon Eskimo. We found no difficulties in making ourselves understood. They, considering the few advantages they enjoy, show a certain amount of intelligence. Uh, let's see, what's our next uh, little bit there? With respect to the benefits to scientific research, the good results cannot be immediately apparent, but they are undeniably great and far-reaching as respects the effects of our sojourn on the sum of human happiness. I can only say that the 250 Puskies, now Puskies was, must be his, his uh, slang name for Eskimo, the Puskies that we came in contact with are the better for our stay among them. They have better instruments of the chase, which means to them more food, less danger of starvation, although they survived for thousands of years without you, Mr. Perry, one step higher in the stage of civilization, I almost say. When we came amongst them, they only had two or three kayaks, and now they have quite a number. Altogether, without specifying further, they have been put in a position to lead a more comfortable and happier existence. According to you, judged by our standard, the women are perhaps not handsome, but their faces, especially amongst the younger women, are generally pleasant-looking. But for the dirt which begrimes them, rather prepossessing, they never wash their face. Quarreling and scolding are practically things not learned yet. As to their dress, there's no doubt that it's admirably adapted to their manner of life, and I think it looks very well on them. It consists of a sort of short jacket with trousers down to the knees, from which a pair of skin boots reach to the lower extremities. 
Mother, let's get my skin boots. I'm going out in the snow. Underneath their boots, they wear stockings made of blue fox skins. When they stand erect, these garments meet one another, but when they are in motion, you may see a narrow belt of skin exposed where the boots begin and the leggings end. The thermometer sometimes registered 44 degrees below zero in the open air. I have felt more cold in Florida and in New York, however, than I did up there. Cold is a relative thing with suitable clothes, plenty of animal food, and a cheerful spirit. Man may defy the most severe cold. And that's a hot woman story. Uh, we have another story. The stout-hearted old lady who works in one of the Bates Mills boarding houses is 82 years old. She helps wash dishes, buys the produce, and sets the tables. The other day, one of the girls at the table asked, I say, Auntie, what makes you work so hard? Why don't you take a vacation? Uh, I'm going to work so that when I'm old, I shall have something to live on and not to be beholden to anybody, she replied solemnly. Uh, one more story here. Uh, Officer Sewell of Lewiston arrested a tall stranger on the street Monday for vagrancy. And if there ever was a vagrant in appearance, he was one. At first, the man tried to resist and explain, but later on, he said that he would tell the officers something when they got to the station. There, he removed a false beard and showed a face of some refinement. I'm up here watching my wife, he said. I'm not a vagrant, but she is, and I'm just shadowing her. If you'll let me go, I'll return to Bath today. The officer released him, and he went home. I'm sure that's a story. It's been repeated many times over the years. All right, we had a few more stories. We're going to jump ahead, though, because we're running short on time, and we want to talk about Maine's honorary bi-weekly bird, the world's most dangerous bird, the cassowary. Now, he looks like an emu, but he's he's even scarier looking. He looks like that thing from Jurassic Park that ate, uh, ate wingnut there. It's a uh, cassowary. He's got a blue blue neck. He's got like a black and gold eyes and the big crown. And he just looks so mean. They're shy. They're usually hard to spot, at least in their natural rainforest habitats. They're not overly aggressive and attacks are rare, but they can do a lot of damage if they're provoked or angered. Cassowary attacks have occasionally been deadly, including a recent one which occurred in 2019 at a private collection of caged birds in Florida. They're native to northern Australia, New Guinea, and surrounding islands. So we don't have any here in Maine. I, I hope we never do. They sound mean. Uh, there are three different species. is a southern cassowary, a northern cassowary, and then a dwarf cassowary. They only get up to like 50 pounds, the dwarf ones. And they're found in more steep mountainous terrain. I don't want to see one, really. They, they, they just look so scary. They have, even their feathers have, like, quills on the end of them. Cassowaries are descended from dinosaur ancestors. They stand as high as six feet tall. They weigh up to 160 pounds, but they can't fly, uh, although they can run fast. They, they're extremely powerful legs, propel them at great speeds. They are strong swimmers. 
They can move quickly on both land and water. They've been clocked running as fast as 31 miles per hour. Oh, it's just frightening. Their powerful legs help them jump high up to seven feet in the air. Their legs are also used for delivering strong kicks. And they can use their sharp dagger-like claws up to four inches long to slice and puncture any animal that is a threat, including humans. And last, last one of the last deaths they talked about was from 1926, and they it chased down a boy. The reason that they chase humans today, they think, is because people feed them, and then they come to expect uh, handouts whenever they see a person. If they don't get it, they kick you in the chest with their big little big claw there. The favorite food of cassowaries is fallen fruit of the rainforest. That's good. And their claws come in handy for scraping up the fruit from the forest floor. But they'll also eat other foods too, including insects, snails, and sometimes dead animals. They also catch fish by sitting in a stream and spreading their feathers to form a sort of net. They lay their eggs in a nest on the forest floor, usually three eggs in a nest. And the male sits on them for about 50 days until they hatch. A cassowary egg can weigh about the same as 10 average chicken eggs. Imagine an omelet from cassowary egg. You want a two-egg omelet? Whoa, that'd be huge. Their egg looks like an avocado. Well, that's a picture from 1860. It's a painting, so they could have just drawn that up a little bit. Uh, culturally important for Aboriginal groups. But again, if you're not in a rainforest trying to feed a cassowary, it's probably not going to attack you, right? Let's take a look at the forecast, and then I'll set you on your way. Uh, we Again, we've had just great weather here so far in October. And for today, Tuesday, it's sunny with a high of 82. Wow. Too bad you put your pool away, huh? Uh, Wednesday, sunny, high 77. Thursday sunny, high 75, and then some rain on the weekend when down east Mike it has to go outside, showers likely on Saturday, mm, Sunday 40% chance of showers. Well, that is our, oh, I'll just play a little segment after this podcast, it's just a tag at the end. Uh, down east Mike, uh, I had to volunteer at the call center and I'll play a little bit of that for you. But until next time, this is Down East Mike, wishing you and your loved ones a day that's full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see ya. Morning. Thank you for calling the Down East Mike Mope and Cope hotline. This is Mike. How can I help you? Hello, Michael. Oh? I'm, I'm and just... what are you, are you moping or coping today, dear? I'm just in I an awful, awful state, Mike. And how long has this been going on? Since this morning, at least since this morning. That's too bad. Yes, it is. It yes. Really is. No, I guess is. There's moping and there's coping, and there's sometimes it's just the coping, sometimes it's just the moping. I'm just having a hard time. Well, it sounds them. like you're well on your way to recovery, dear. No, I'm not recovering, Mike. I'm not. Well, thank you for calling. That's not good yep, enough. Yep, bye-bye. We'll try another call. Maybe this one will be better. Thank you for calling the Down East Mike Mope and Cope Hotline. This is Mike. How can I help you? How can I 
Are you open or coping today, dear? Coping today. Like, oh, I see. Well, here's where I just would like to let you talk a little bit and tell me, tell me all about it, and and if if. I just came back from the dentist, and I'm just coping like that. Uh, so I can have a It all sounds very good to me. No, it's not good. Like I said, I have a little cloud. And it's just like 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 this house. Oh, that's fine. Sure, call again sometime. Have a good day, dear. I'm a dreamer Hanging out between waves I can see what's coming, coming my way. All day long, I think of you. And I can't wait to go home right after this break. It's a puzzle to find out where I fit in. If X and there's Y, I don't know where to begin. Where to begin? In between ways. And all day long, I think of. Day long, I think of you. 